Well, good morning. Let's uh, go over to Exodus 15, which is where we'll begin today. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been looking at, a covenant of healing. And... Um, There's a lot here, but uh, there, of course, are things that we must always believe uh, what God said. And we've been making the statement to always believe what God said about himself. Now, that, that would involve knowing the will of God. And, um, you know, Brother Hagin made the statement over and over, he would say that, that if was the badge of doubt. And uh, now, you know, that can be, that, that's another thing that can be used like a club. You know, uh, untaught people are not sure what to believe. And, uh, you know, very often it's, it's easy to use statements like that with people that don't know. If you don't know what to believe, you don't know how to believe. And uh, if I don't, if I'm not sure about what the will of God is, well, I've got to go to God and find out what the will of God is. Uh, that's why experience, you'll hear people say experience is the best teacher. Well, that's a lie. Experience, experience can be a, uh, a horrible teacher. Amen. Right? You know, my primary experience with the state of Arkansas was when I was around 10 years old in Paragool, Arkansas. And uh, the pastor of the church we were ministering at, my parents were ministering at, uh, he really believed in taking good care of the minister, so he put us out in the travel camper in his front yard with no air conditioner uh, in the middle of summer. And the mosquitoes about carried us off. I didn't care if I ever came back to Arkansas. I hated Arkansas. Arkansas represented mosquitoes and uh, stingy pastors. You know, uh, those kind of things have an effect on you when you're young. And uh, uh, when God started talking to me about coming back to Arkansas, I was like, only thing in Arkansas are chintzy preachers and mosquitoes. So you can get somebody else. <laughs> well, but here we are, so... But my point is, you understand what I'm saying? That was my experience. Now, my, my, the truth is far different than my experience, right? Uh, I love Arkansas. I love living here. I love this is my state. This is my city. Uh, but the point is, always believe what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? What did he say about his word? Always believe what he said about his word. And then number three, always believe what he said about what he would do. All right? He said he would do this. This is what we rely on. Exodus 15. And uh, we're also going to go over the things today regarding our covenant. But uh, I want you to see this. Exodus 15, 26. Of course, he said uh, in the latter part of that verse, I will not allow any of these diseases on you that have been allowed upon the Egyptians. And then he makes the statement, why? For I am the Lord that heals you. 
And we've talked about I am being a blank check, but I am is also it consistently, constantly updates itself. Uh, you cannot say I am in the past. All right. What God was, God is because he is I am. Whatever God has said he is, he is eternally that. And so that that settles the issue Especially as we move on, we'll see this even clearer. It settles the issue where healing is concerned because God has set the ground rules. He's established the facts as to who he is. All right? I am the Lord that heals you. And people will say, well, but the Bible says that the Lord said, I'm the Lord that heals and I make sick. And, and uh, there is a scripture that says that. But uh, we, we, we taught on that some number of months ago, about a year ago, uh, about these misunderstood, misinterpreted scriptures. And the context of that was the power of God. And God was saying, if anybody can make people sick, I can. Because I have the power to do it. But he didn't say he did it. He said, I can do it. But if he is the Lord that heals you, th think about this. Think about this. What is one minus one? What happens there? One cancels out one. If God is the healer and the one that makes sick, he cancels himself out. Then he has no power. All right. Does that make sense? That's important. If, if God is the Savior and the one that sends people to hell, he cancels himself out. No, he's the Savior. He's the healer. Why? Because he eternally set himself in that position. Those are the ground rules. I'm the healer. Right? Then uh, Exodus 23 <coughs> And this is, uh, this is one that we'll go back to. Exodus 23 and uh, 25. It says, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness from the midst of you. I will take sickness from the midst of you. And different translations say, I will keep it far from your company. I will banish sickness from you. In Deuteronomy 7. Uh, and verse 15. He said, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know on you. Hallelujah. Other translation says the Lord will keep you from having any kind of illness. The Lord will keep you from getting sick. The Lord will keep you from every disease. And so there's something that you will see in all of these verses uh, beginning in Exodus 23 
And uh, it's a, uh, a statement, verse 25, I will. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, we just read it, but it's important to, to keep it there. It says, the Lord will take away from you all sickness. In other words, I will take away from you all sickness. And I will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know upon you. So he said, there in Exodus 23, I will, I will take sickness from the midst of you. Now, this is important because there's no stronger affirmation in the entire Bible than I will. No stronger affirmation. And this is important to remember who's saying this. The Lord. All right? The I am. Now, the reason this is so important is this is covenant language. Our covenant partner is saying, I will do something. That's why it's important to always remember that I have a covenant. This is, this is covenant language. I have a covenant. Uh, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. Crucial to remember that. And a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. So... When God makes a promise, it's an eternal promise. Now, when we say that, I want to be careful how I say this because that's easy to agree with because we think, well, that's God. But why is it easy to agree with it? There has to be a mindset because there are people that will tell you when God makes a promise, it's an eternal promise, but why didn't he do this for me? Well, see, there's one minus one. Right? If God makes an eternal promise, and he does, when he says something, it's an eternal promise, he can't lie. And so when he says, I will Take sickness from your midst. That's eternal. That doesn't change. The Amplified Bible says, I will remove sickness from among you. The uh, Brown-Kruger translation says, I will take all sickness away from the midst of you. Hallelujah. The word take is a word that uh, it means to remove or to take away or to take off. To remove, to take away, to take off. See, we're going to read some more definitions. Sickness is always in the scripture rendered as a burden. 
Now, now this is important. It's never rendered as a good thing. Ever is it rendered that way. That's why God could have no purpose in it. All right? So he says, I will take it. I will remove it. I'll take it off of you. It also means to turn aside or to turn away. I'll turn sickness away from you. I'll turn it aside from you. That's why Psalm 91 can say, no evil shall befall me and no plague will come near my dwelling because he'll turn it from me. He'll turn it away. But it also means to be without. In other words, because I will do this, you'll be without sickness. You will be without it. And that word is covenant language. I will. It's a statement of certainty from our covenant healer. I will leaves no room for anything other than what the one promising has said. See, now I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because I will does not mean to us today what it meant when this was written. Because you hear people all the time. They'll, you say, hey, you, you coming to such and such tonight? Oh, yeah, I, I'll be there. I will be there. Then a little while later, you get a phone call. Well, something came up. But I thought you said you would be there. Well, you know. No, don't know. What would be better? Well, I'll be there if something doesn't come up. Right? I will Leaves no room for anything other than what the one promising has said. I will puts all doubt to rest. Because there's no stronger affirmation than I will. Well, Pastor, I'm really going through this. I know he said, and when you go through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the flood, I will be with you, and it will not overcome you. Now, your Rolodex in your mind has to go there immediately. Immediately. Right? Well, I'm facing this, but God's with me. Right? And not just with... If God's with you, he's with you not to comfort you and just pat you. He's with you to do what he said. I'm with you to take this. I'm with you to turn it away. Oh, glory. That's why I have to remember that I have a covenant. That's why I have to remember that I need a covenant mindset. I have to maintain a covenant mindset about this. That, that's what comes up in the day and age we live in. Right? Ever, ever what the situation may be. This coming up. This comes out. Okay? I, I understand, but I will... I will turn aside and you will be without sickness. 
right? The, the fight is for focus. You can focus, focus on the what might or the I will, right? God maintains a covenant mindset concerning his word. Always and concerning everything he's promised. It's, it's a covenant. If people looked at the word as a covenant, they would never for one single second doubt it. That's why a covenant mindset is required. I've heard people say, this is a contract. No, it's not. A contract can be broken. A covenant cannot. Not by the one issuing it. God issued this covenant. And he won't break it. That's what he said in the book of Psalm chapter 89. He said, my covenant I will not break. Now that's important. Doubt is simply this. It's simply getting, trying to get you to believe that God won't keep his word. That's doubt. There are people, human people that you know and I know, it would shock you if they broke their word because you put that much confidence in them. Put that much confidence at least in God. Well, it's important. Amen. I've, I've been teaching healing school regularly ever since we started the, the ministry. It'll be 24 years this year. And a very, very small amount of time has there not been a healing school. And here's why. It's part of our supply to the body of Christ. And what I see more than anything is not just, there's been numerous people that we've laid hands on and seen healed, but the majority of people have been healed by just coming and hearing the word. That's important. Because God maintains that covenant mindset concerning his word. If I could say it this way without oversimplifying it, God really believes what he said. My part is faith and obedience to that word. Uh, in Psalm 119. <clears throat> uh, the psalmist makes a statement concerning the word. And he says in Psalm 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever. If you start from the beginning of that statement, forever. It's a beautiful word. It's a multifaceted word. Uh, forever means generally time out of mind, past or future. Time out of mind, past or future. So, so far back that you can't remember it, either because you weren't there or you've forgotten, 
or so far in the future to a time that you'll never see. Forever. That's, that's the general use. There's a practical use. Eternity. Literally meaning the vanishing point. Now, that, why is that important? There's a point in the future that you can't see. It's eternity. It's where time vanishes. Eternity, by definition, means the absence of time. So people will say time and eternity. Well, there's that period of time, but then there's that period of eternity where there is no time. And he says, so in the time that you could possibly remember, or maybe you don't remember, it's settled. In the time in the future that you can grasp, or maybe you can't grasp, it's settled. But when it hits that point where time vanishes, still settled. Oh, glory. See, if God had no beginning and had no ending, His Word is that forever. Think, think about what the Word did just when you were saved. Every sin that you had ever committed. Now here it is. Time out of mind. You're not going to tell me you remembered every sin. Some of y'all were very great sinners. Watching online too. Amen. All of us were great sinners, really, but you understand what I mean. There are people that made a life out of sinning, right? What Brother Copeland says, he said, I used to cuss so bad, I made up cuss words. And, but in any event, time out of mind, past or future, you couldn't remember it, but think about this. I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That word went all the way back to sins that you couldn't even remember. And solved them. Because think about this. When was that word. Now think about this. When was that word. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. When was it solidified. When Paul said it. Mm, it's already there. It was already in the mind of the Holy Ghost. At the inception of eternity. The only way the word could go back. And cleanse your sin. And the blood could go back and cleanse your sin that you don't even remember. How did it go back? How did it go back in time to that day that you committed that sin and cleanse you from it? Because it was already there. It was already there from eternity past. God didn't have to cleanse you from your sin as a point of doing it, working it, producing it every time somebody got saved. It's already there. He points them to the solution that already exists. So that's why we say God doesn't have to heal you. You're already healed. He points you to the solution that already exists. I am your healer. And this is forever settled. And ever how much longer the earth exists. 
He will forever be the healer. Well, there'll be no need for healing in eternity. Then why does the Bible say that there are the, the trees of life that line the, 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 the river of life in the new city, the new Jerusalem? And it says their leaves are for the healing of the nations. Well, no sickness, no disease can enter there. So he is eternally the healer. Glory to God. Do you see this? He said, so forever, your word. Well, that word, for word, speech, your saying, your words, your speech, what you have said, your words. Now think about that. His word, forever, your words are settled in heaven. Now, we think about that, and many times people think, you know, that it's, you know, it's settled in the sense of uh, uh, it's done, it's been signed off on, it's settled. But the word settled, it means to stand or to take one stand to be stationed or to be stationary. To stand, to take one stand, to be stationed or to be stationary. And then he said, in the beginning of that, forever, O Lord. Now I go there because that's the word Jehovah. That's the word I am. It's the same word in Exodus 15 and Exodus 23. I am the Lord. Now this is important because the same Jehovah in Exodus is the same Jehovah in Psalm 119. Now think about this. So in Exodus 15, Exodus 23, he spoke words. I am the Lord that heals you. I will take sickness and disease from your midst. What he speak? Words. Are those words? They are, right? And so he said at that moment, you pick up from that moment, the psalmist says forever, we could say it this way, those words in Exodus 15 and Exodus 23, are forever settled. Because who spoke them? God, Jehovah, right? But they're forever settled in heaven. This is important, this word settled, because to stand, to take one stand, to be stationed or stationary, God's word never leaves his remembrance. Every word that God has spoken to God, it's like he spoke it right now. God doesn't say, I said that a while ago. To, to God, everything he has said, it's like he said it right now. And his word 
stands as a memorial. But the context of the word is that it's a memorial, it's stationed, it's stationary forever, and his word has taken its stand. It's a memorial in God's presence. What he has said is standing there before him as a memorial. It's stationed. And his word has taken its stand and it won't return empty. That means what God has promised is always in front of him. And he knows his word. And when we approach him with his word and faith, he'll respond accordingly. And, and here's why. He can't help himself. And, and that's now this is important because it is because he loves us. But it is the it is the it's just the automatic response of the word. Right. Think, think about this. Remember, remember now, I don't know. I haven't seen one for years. I don't even know if they still make them. But you remember the, the old-fashioned mouse traps? Rat trap? Oh, my goodness. Simplicity and genius combined. Right? How something so simple could be so effective. Right? Push your trap back, the arm back, take the hook, hook it to the button. Right? Put a little something, something on it, peanut butter or whatever you put. Now think about this. If that button is depressed, what's the automatic response? Right? If the mouse does what it's supposed to do, the trap does what it's supposed to do. Is that right? Is that an automatic response? Right? When I approach God and I say he can't help himself, it is because he loves us, but that's how this thing is wired. I believe he heals. I take my stand, he heals. Because his words there is a memorial. See, we make use phrases in our circles like this, that God has bound himself to his word. That's how it is. I will, no stronger affirmation in the Bible, I will take sickness from your midst. Now that word is there. And when a person goes to God with his word, now Father, I've been diagnosed with this. I have this, however the knowledge came. I come to you on the basis of your word where you said you would take sickness from my midst. So I place my faith in that word and I thank you for taking it from me. Right? That word is there before God. God doesn't have to grab an angel and say, hey, run back there and see. Did I say that? 
right? It's there. It's the, is, is this living? Why is it living? The speaker is living. God is inextricably connected to his word. God's alive. His word is alive. We, we, we read that all throughout the scripture. And the main verse that we quote is Hebrews 4, where it says the word of God is alive, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word uh, uh, quick, uh, active, energized, alive. Right now. If, if you could see in the spirit, this is breathing. Because when the word came into you, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And the Bible says that you were redeemed with the seed of the word of God. And so when you were born again, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And the life of God came into you. How did the life of God come into you? The life of God came into you because God's word came into you. And now you're a carrier of God's life. Hallelujah. And so when God heals a person, a person is healed, what simply happens is the life of God comes into them and runs out the death of that sickness. That's how God takes it. He replaces the death and the destruction with the life of his healing. Oh, glory. Amen. We don't have to get God to keep his word. We simply meet the conditions. Faith and obedience. That in every covenant transaction that you see in the Bible, every one of the healing promises that we talked about where he said, I will, there, there was a level of obedience. You do what I'm telling you, and this is what I will do. Right? Well, you remember what Paul said? He said, you have not followed cunningly devised fables as some men have. He said, but you have believed from the heart that form of sound doctrine that was delivered unto you, right? You have believed from the heart. When you believed that Jesus was your Lord, you believed that Jesus was your, your healer. See, it was supposed to come in one package. But people get born again, and they get born again in environments that believe he's your Savior, but not your healer, or your Savior, but not your provider. And so they compartmentalize what Jesus is. And even though the word never changes, what he can be to them, he's not to them because they don't have the faith for it because they don't know it. It's not that they're wrong or bad Christians. They just don't know what belongs to them. And they believe God will, heal, God will save anybody but may not heal but somebody that might just be his will. Hallelujah. Jesus never failed to heal those that would believe. 
Now, why was that? I heard somebody that I, that I, uh, I, I have great respect for. They were ministering not too long ago, and they said, Jesus uh, did miracles and healings and signs to prove he was the Son of God. No, he didn't. Nope, did not. That's not what the Bible says, and that's not what Jesus ever said. People were questioning, was he the Son of God? And he said, well, look at the works I'm doing. He said, if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the works. But never once did he heal somebody and say, now I'm going to heal you because I'm proving I'm the Son of God. Jesus never failed to heal those that would believe because he came into the world under the promise, I will take sickness from the midst of you. In, uh, in, in uh, John chapter 1, I don't know if I'm helping you, but I've already preached myself happy. Now, verse 18, John 1, 18, no man has seen God at any time. Now, there are people that will say, well, but... You know, Moses saw him, and the 70 saw him, and others have seen him. They, they, they've seen him in a similitude. No living person could ever see God in his totality. You couldn't stand it. Right? That's why you would see, like Ezekiel talked about him, and, and he said, you know, he was the, uh, uh, had the color of like beryl and, and topaz. And, and, and uh, when you read in the book of Exodus about the 70 going up and seeing God, it talks about colors. God presented himself in colors because he, they, they couldn't look on him. He said, no man shall see me and live. Not because he's mad. Think, think about imperfection coming into the presence of 100% holiness. What happened, think about this, what happened when the holiness of God was put in your spirit? It started burning out everything that was unlike God in your life. And if you gave over to it 100%, it worked even quicker. So think about human flesh entering that presence. Burn you up. Right? But Jesus said, no man hath seen God at any time. Notice, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. All right? The Amplified Bible talks about He has made Him known. He has put Him out in the open. Jesus made this statement. Remember, He said, uh, the works that I do... The Father does them. The Father in me is doing the works. When he healed the blind man, he said, the works of the Father, I'm the works of the Father, I must do. So he, who was he showcasing? The Father. Right? He came into the earth under the promise, I'll take sickness away from you. Why? Because that's what the Father promised he would do. Amen. He will take what we believe he will take. In uh, Matthew 8, 
Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 8. And um, let's look at verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Now, just to get a, a good context here, look at Mark 1. Because you, you, you want to see the, the gravity of this. This is when he went and rebuked the fever from Peter's mother-in-law. And verse 32, at evening when the sun set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. Now think about this. Think about this. Uh, a city the size of Little Rock. Not, you know, nationally, not a huge city. I mean, right, several hundred thousand people, a few hundred thousand, probably the whole metro area combined, a little over a million. But just in Little Rock proper, what, 275,000, something like that, 200,000? How many sick people are in a city of 200,000 people? How many sick people do you think there are? Right? Probably fill the... Fill the civic center easily, right? Is that right? They Notice they brought all that were sick, that were diseased, and all the city was gathered together at the door. Whew. You see that? So he's leaving Peter's mother-in-law's house and or Peter's house and opens the door and this is what he's met with all the city with all the sick in the city and the demon possessed in the city are there right and notice what he didn't say uh right Notice Mark says he healed many that were sick of different diseases. Now, this is important because I, I want you to see this. I, I know it may be seem elementary. Different diseases. So it doesn't matter what disease, he'll take it. God is multifaceted, so that means that God has a multifaceted ministry. There are people that only focus on one side of God. There's times you gotta, you got to learn the back parts of God. And you got to learn the side parts of God. you got to learn the high parts of God, the low parts of God, the deep things of God, the shallow things of God, because they're all important. The Bible says that God told Moses, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock I'll cover you with my hand, and when I come by, you'll see my back parts. 
Moses' face shone with the glory of God for 40 days, and all he saw was God's backside. He didn't see his face. And people, people talk about that, and, and that is wonderful, and it's powerful, but the Bible says that Moses had to put a veil over his face, and it says that you and I, with unveiled face, open face, behold his glory in his word. Moses saw God physically. We see more glory in the word than Moses saw seeing God physically. Oh, hallelujah. So different diseases and cast out many devils. Now, back in Matthew, notice. Verse 16. When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out spirit, the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That's not so much of a contradiction in, of, of, of the writers as much as it is one not being privy to everything that happened. So all. Did he heal all? Right? Even if he just healed many. Whew, many is a lot. He's healed you. Oh, glory. Now, now notice, but it, there's a colon there. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, now, I know I'm asking you a lot of questions today. What was what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet? What is that? The word. Now think about this for a moment. Did God say it through Isaiah? Now watch. So it has to come to pass. Has to come to pass. Why? Because his word is stationed in front of him. And everything that God said through anybody for his people is for all of his people. Right? Why do we claim Exodus 15, Exodus 26, Deuteronomy 27, or Deuteronomy 7? People will say, well, that was spoken to Israel. Well, I'm Israel because Abraham's my father. Right? So it was said to me that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took, took him. Wait a minute, what did he say in Exodus 23? I'll take it. So he said he would take it, and here we see he took it. If he said he would take it, then that means he took it. If he said he would take it, and he took it, that means he'll still take it. Isn't that great? The Amplified Bible says, himself took in order, watch, to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities 
and bore away our diseases. See, every scripture lines up with every other scripture. We read those other translations where one of them says, uh, you'll remember, it says uh, that he will take all sickness from the midst of you. And we talked about how some of that, he'll turn it away from you. You'll be without it. Amen. So he took it in order to carry it away. The Berkeley translation says, he himself took our weaknesses and carried off our diseases. The Madsen translation says, he's taken our sickness from us. He has borne all of our infirmities. Has, has. He's taken it. He has taken it. He has taken it. He has bore it all away. Now think about that. This, this is why, why it's important with the verbiage that we use. Well, I have. He has taken. I've been diagnosed with, so I have. He has taken. Now it's not just it's not just words. It's not just terms, right? If I have it, my implication is he hasn't taken it. He has not, has he taken it? Has he bore it off? Yeah, but I still feel, I still see, I still have. I, I understand. But remember, I'm, I'm taking what he said as truth. Right. If somebody said, "Look, I'm going to come by your house, and uh, that that you 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 know you need this thing hauled off. I'm going to come by today, and I'm going to take it." Right. And you're driving down the road with your wife or your husband or whatever, and you're out to lunch, and they say, "Hey, is so and so going to come by and take that away today?" Well, he said he was, and I believe him. So in your mind, you're expecting to go home and not find that. I want to encourage you to not expect to wake up in the morning with what you dealt with today. Okay, he took it. Expectation is my hope. Is my picture. Which faith gives substance to. Moffat says faith gives substance to it's important what am i expecting tomorrow i'm expecting to get up better because it's been taken mm. Moffat said, he took away our sicknesses and our diseases he removed. Hallelujah. Did he do it? See, your point of focus is crucial. The enemy wants your focus to be, I have. God wants your focus to be, he took. Amen. 
You know, there, there are things we know not to say. There are things that, you know, people wouldn't say, especially in our circles, because, you know, it's just overt unbelief. Right? I'm just falling apart, you know, once you get to my age. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Eyes are the first thing to go. Hearing is the first thing to go. Legs are the first thing to go. Just can't do what I used to do. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, here's the point that I want to make. Far from just focusing on words, what is said in, in, in indicates area of focus. I have a rule in my house. You're not allowed to say I can't. I'll be working with Lily about something and she'll go, well, Daddy, I just can't. I said, no, 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 stop. Can't never did anything. You can. You can. Yeah, but it's hard. Well, I didn't say it wasn't hard, but you can do it. Because I can't indicates not just a lack of ability, a lack of strength to accomplish. Can't hear like I did, can't see like I did. Right? Folks, listen, you can't get under condemnation about things. I've known people before that you'd be talking to them, and you could be, you could be this close to them, talking in full voice. Now, hey, what'd you say? Go get a hearing aid and get a good one. Right? Because, see, it's just an aid. It's just an aid. Doesn't mean something's wrong. It's just, just an aid. Dr. Summerall, you know, when, when he first got glasses, oh, people, people gave him a hard time about that. He didn't care. He said, my eyes are fine. I just need a little magnifying. Just because you wear glasses doesn't mean your eyes aren't good. Is that right? But, but my point is, my point is, is, is you're not just sitting around. Don't sit around and talk about how you can't hear. He took that. It's getting better. I said, it's getting better. Is that right? Took it. Took it. Well, what if I never stop wearing glasses? Who cares? You're functioning good. Who cares? Right? Amen. My goodness, Jimmy Swaggart, when he started wearing glasses in the mid-80s, oh, my Lord, you'd have thought the man had just blasphemed God. I remember people coming to church. Did you watch Jimmy this morning? Well, everybody watched Jimmy back then. Of course we did. Think we're dumb? Did you see he wore glasses? Now I was just a kid, and I'm thinking, well, I say kid, teenager, my upper teens, and I'm thinking, what difference does it make? In that service, when he was wearing glasses, people got saved. People got filled with the Holy Ghost. People got delivered. His glasses didn't make any difference. Well, Brother Hagin, you just haven't watched Brother Hagin enough. 
You watch Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin's got glasses in his pocket. And if you watch him enough, he said, depending on the light, he said, I don't have to use reading glasses unless the light's not good. See, I, it's like the guy told one guy one time, he said, well, you know, I'm like Brother Hagin, you know, and they said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't watch TV. And the guy just kind of shook his head. After that guy left, he turned to the guy next to him and he said, you know, I know Brother Hagin. I've been in Brother Hagin's house. And Brother Hagin doesn't have one TV. He's got three. You understand? Here, here's my point. People get under condemnation because they're facing something or dealing with something or they, they have to go through a procedure. That, that doesn't mean he didn't take it. That doesn't mean he won't keep it away. You've you got to understand that. We, we do people a disservice when we make them think that, that if, if they have a hearing aid or wear glasses or, or they're taking medicine. I've seen more people get into shipwreck by stopping their medicine before they had a full grasp on what God had done for them. Yeah, we don't like taking these pills. Well, baby, quit crying and take the pills. And while you're taking the pills, believe God that you can come off of them. That medicine's helping you regulate your body right now. Be smart. Amen. And, and I always tell people this. And I'm not some wet behind the ears novice about this thing. I, I'm not up here just being a, a wild-eyed evangelist. Right? I've been around healing and in the healing ministry my whole life. I've taught this healing school for 24 years. I've seen God do miraculous things. I've watched people take massive doses of medicine and get a hold of the Word of God and just little by little, little by little, little by little, be able to come off of it until the whole total healing had manifested. When did the whole total healing manifest? When they weren't taking their medicine any longer? No, when they were on the full dose of their medicine and they believed God took it. Settles the issue. Amen. Your point of focus. So, oh, I got to hurry. So you can't look at the medicine and let the medicine get you to focus on I have. I got to look at the medicine and focus on he took. What, see, what did Jesus say? He said the sick need a physician. I know he's talking about sin, but why do you use that analogy? Well, evidently he wasn't against physicians. The word, see what he took, I don't have to have. If he took it, I don't have to have it. The, what, the word is stationed in front of the Father currently. He believes he took sickness and disease away. That's what I have to believe. Focus on he took.
And don't ever condemn people that don't understand that. That's important. Because I can have the greatest healing anointing in the world. I can believe that Jesus is my healer. But if I heap guilt and shame and condemnation, I'll never, I'll never get the healing to him. This is part of my covenant of healing. My covenant partner took sickness. See, his part was take it. My part is believe he took it. Matthew 8 says he took it. Amen. I remember some number of years ago, my goodness, it's been 23, 24 years ago now. Uh, my mother really went through a physical battle, and we came to find out what she was dealing with uh, later on, but she wasn't aware of what it was. But here's the point. She was just, uh, she was just, she was lo losing weight, and she didn't have any weight to lose, and still doesn't, but uh, just looking bad to the point that, you know, people were, were talking to me, people were talking to my dad about it, and, uh, uh, you know, I even sat and talked with her. They came to visit us there in Kansas City, and they were, they were staying uh, in a hotel, and I was over visiting with them, and I was talking with her, and I just asked her, I said, no, you know, Mom, where are you? Where are you about this? Because, uh, you know, I need to know where you're at. Because I need to know what I need to be believing. And uh, she explained it to me. And I told her, I said, I wouldn't hurt your faith for nothing. I said, I'll, I'll agree with you. Well, anyway, there were people telling my dad, you know, she looks like she's dying. And, and she did. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, uh, but here's the point. Is one night they, they came into the, the service where they were having service. And she couldn't, she couldn't stand for any period of time. And uh, so she was sitting there on, on the front row. And uh, during worship, the Lord said to her, he said, stand up and worship me as the slain lamb of Calvary. Watch, and I will take this sickness from you. And she stood up and began to do that. And that, that, whole, that whole situation just changed right then. He took it. Now, here, here's the thing to understand. The manifestation of the taking occurred then, but God can only take what he's already taken. Does that make sense? Because if he said he took it, did he take it? then to have to take something as if it wasn't taken would mean he lied. He didn't take it. So in reality, what happens is when I get over there and I believe he took it, it's more of a release. Ah, oh, hallelujah. He took it. I remember one Sunday morning, I was a pa assistant pastor at a church. I was ministering on Sunday mornings, and, and uh, God was doing some wonderful things, miraculous healings. I don't have time to, to talk about all of them here, but uh, uh, there was a, a new family in the service that morning, and they, they were sitting on about the, the second or the third row, a young lady and her mom and different, different ones. And uh, 
the young lady was obviously in pain when she was sitting there, and uh, uh, worship was going on, and and uh, you know I didn't know them, and but when I got up in the pulpit and began to minister, the first thing that came to me was uh, a word of knowledge for that young lady, and I didn't know him, but I told her I said, uh, you know, the Lord sent you here today. I don't know anything about what's going on, but the Lord sent you here today to get healed, and uh, uh, she came forward and and. We, I prayed for her, and the Holy Spirit moved on her wonderfully. And, uh, uh, you know, she went back to her seat after a period of time and was just sitting there crying and smiling and looking around. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on, but I finished the message. And uh, I really didn't have a chance to talk to him too much uh, because uh, other people needed my attention. But I got a letter from them. And uh, this girl at the time of that writing, this would have been... Uh, almost 30 years ago and so at the time of that writing she was 18 so she'd probably be 48 or so now and uh but at the time of that writing uh she had uh the doctors she had a uh what do they call it idio idiomatic is that what they call it idio right idiopathic issue in other words they knew what she was suffering but they didn't know why and she had this issue in her head. And it was like, they said, take the worst migraine you could have and multiply it times 10. It wasn't just, I have to go to sleep. I can't function. And everything that the doctors tried, they, they tried to treat it as a migraine. Wouldn't work. So they had, they had uh, finally resorted to uh, some type of injection in her skull to try to somehow numb this. Her life was over. She couldn't go to school. She had to quit work. She laid at home all day. I mean, eight, an 18-year-old invalid. No hope. Could, could not come out because the slightest light or sign did it. That's why she was crying sitting there in the service. Somebody had told her and her family that God would heal her. So she came and she said, I was in, in her letter, she said, I was determined to gut it out to see if it would work. But she said, during, during the, the worship, she said, I just told my mother, I've got to go. When you got up in the pulpit, I said, I've got to go. And my mom was getting her stuff together. We were about to leave. And that's when the Lord said what he said through us. Well, here's the point. She said, when you laid hands on me, immediately the pain left. And she said, I haven't had any pain since. I'm back in school. I'm back at work. I just went to my prom. What happened? He took it. He took it. He took it. Hallelujah. See? He took it. The focus. The focus just had to switch from I have it to he took it. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? 
So focus on he took it. He took it. Father, thank you today that you have uh, taken sickness and disease. We have a covenant right to believe that. You said, I will. There's no stronger affirmation in the Bible than I will. And Father, we thank you that what you said you would do, you have done. And because you have done it, we receive it. Oh, glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For your masterful ability to be our physician. We thank you that right now you're changing things. That you're things that need to expand are expanding. Things that need to regress are now regressing. Levels that need to come up are right now coming up. Those that need to secede are going down. Oh, glory. Thank you for regulating our bodies. Thank you for regulating our blood pressure. Thank you for regulating our heart rates. Thank you for regulating the chemical release in our bodies. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you that our body processes every, every, every chemical release just the way that it's supposed to. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You created us, Lord, whole and well and healed. And we walk in that today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because you took it. Because you took it. Oh, you've taken it. Oh, you've taken it. Father, you've taken it. I thank you that you've taken it. I thank you that my focus is on you took it. For your people, you took it. And we walk whole in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good all the time. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. All of you watching online, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. And until we see you next week, remember to build your faith and keep the switch of faith turned on. God bless you.